Episode 230 of the PJ Archive is a phone interview I did with the immensely popular English darts legend Eric Bristow, whose skill and personality helped turn darts into a worldwide spectator sport. Nicknamed the Crafty Cockney, Eric was ranked world number one by the World Darts Federation in 1980, 1981, 1983, 1984 and 1985. He was a five-time world champion, a five-time world masters champion, a four-time world cup singles champion and two-time champion of the News of the World Darts Championship. He won 22 WDF and BDO major titles. He won 62 individual career titles, added to 20 titles in team events, winning 82 overall. He mentored and sponsored the young Phil Taylor, who went on to usurp him as the greatest darts player ever. Very sadly, Eric died in 2018 at the age of 60. My interview with him took place in 2010 and shows what a real character he was. Aren't you doing some kind of like a tour with John Lowe at the moment? Oh, we do a Legends tour, yeah. So, yeah, we're in Newcastle tonight, in Geordie Land. Hmm. And how much of this is darts playing and how much of it is like an audience with? Well, it's, it's a bit of both, really, yeah. It's like uh, uh, whoever comes out first on the night, whoever's our MC that night, usually John Gwynn. You have a little word with say me. Say I come out first, and you have a word with me and talk to me for five ten minutes on the stage, and I'll play four out of the audience, and John'll come on, and the same with him, and he'll play four out of the audience. Then we have a break, and then uh, Keith Deller will come on, have the same sort of thing with him, and mm-hmm. uh, play four out of the audience. It's a fun night. Mm. It gives somebody the opportunity to get on the stage in front of a couple of hundred people playing against like, an old pro like. Has anyone in the audience ever given you a serious game? Oh yeah, some great, yeah, some good players, some good. Good players come along to these things. They just, you know, what I mean, they bring their own darts and they're, they're ready for you. You know, what I mean, have they ever beaten you though? Oh yeah, of course they do. We only play one leg five oh one and let them go first. It's only a bit of fun. Yeah, no, no, absolutely, it is. And yeah, it's very difficult for them because they've got no practice ball as well. But it's, it's just a fun night out. That's all it is. And do they get to ask you questions at any point? Um, sometimes we do a question and answer. Yeah, it's, yeah, it depends how the night goes. Yeah, different shows, different. We do different things. Yeah. Oh yeah, they can ask questions. Yeah. So what have been the more extraordinary questions you've been asked? No, there's, no, there's nothing silly. They just, most of them are dark enthusiasts. They just ask you, ask you normal things, don't they? You know, mm. When did you start? How long did you used to practice? And, you know, mm-hmm. they're, just, just, they're mostly sensible questions, you know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. And do you still class yourself as a professional darts player? I'm a retired professional dart player. I have to get that. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't play the circuit anymore. No, I'm retired now. I, I play for fun now. I work for Sky. And I'm, I'm there with all the lads all the time. I mean, I do the spotting on TV. You know, so I'm part of I'm part of the big thing still. You know what I mean? And how much have you missed the circuit? No, I don't miss the circuit because I look at it in there. I mean, uh, when I was younger, it was quite easy. You know what I mean? I mean, there's a lot of money involved for these lads now, but it's not as easy as it sounds. You know what I mean? Like, Every weekend they're playing a tournament, like 35 weekends of the year they're playing a tournament. Right. And they play a, play a tournament on a Saturday and they play a tournament on a Sunday. I mean, like two weekends ago they was in, um, where they got the monkeys? Gibraltar? That's the kitty. Yeah, they was over there. I mean, it all, it all sounds nice, but you've got like 200 dart players going over there. Mm. They're all good dart players. And you don't get any money unless you win like one or two rounds. So you've got to pay your own airfare, your hotel, and it's very difficult for them. Mm. 
And uh, I imagine wherever you go, people receive you with great affection. Well, I remember, don't they? I remember, because when I was at the top of my game, I was on, like, terrestrial TV. And there wasn't that many channels there, so we were, you, had to, you had to watch me. You know, you didn't have much of a choice, really, did you? <laughs> so everybody watched darts at one time or another. And it was a good thing about our game is everybody's thrown a dart. Yeah. So they know how difficult it is. You know, when you're younger or going out, we go out with your friends at a weekend, you pop in a pub and you meet your friends, you have a couple of games of darts before they go out to discos and things like that. So, I mean, most people, or college or anywhere, you know what I mean? There's always a dart ball somewhere. Were you from a family of darts players or enthusiasts? Uh, my father was a dart player, yes. So I, I didn't realise how good he was, but I, he bought me a dart ball when I was 11, put it up in my bedroom, and that sort of thing. At that age, you even take two or you don't, do you? And uh, I, I just loved the game. I was intrigued by the maths of it all, because I was very good at maths at school, and I was just intrigued at different ways you could go for different shots. And, and I just took interest in it, and by the time I was, like, 12, I was good at it. And then when I was 14... I used to play all the, all the mates at school when I was 12 and beat all them, but they, they got boring because they weren't good enough to play. And by the time I was 14, my dad said, you're ready, and took me down the pub. And I played at the dance team when I was 14, but I was tall, see, so they said I was 18. Tell me a bit more about your parents, if you will. Uh, my mum was called Pam, Pamela. Uh, she was like a telephonist. And my father was George, well, George, he's called George, and he, he was a plasterer. Mum passed away four years ago, but uh, my father's still alive. He lives right. in. I imagine they were both hugely proud of your success. Uh, my mum, my dad's very quiet, he used to come everywhere with me and didn't say anything, didn't like the limelight. If the cameras come around, he disappeared. <laughs> and yet my mum was the other way around, you know, she loved it and told everybody who she was. Oh. You know what I mean? Great story, the first time I ever won the World Championship, all her friends in the, in the city, in the city of London when she was a telephonist, yeah. they, obviously they was watching it all week on, on TV and she told them, like, if, I, if he wins it, I'll bring the trophy down to see you. Mm. And then she used to walk up the road about a quarter of a mile, get a bus, and she put it in this plastic bag. I said, what are you doing with this, Mum? I said, get a cab. She said, no, I'd never get a cab to work. I'm not getting a cab for days. She went all the way to the city of London with this world trophy in a bag <laughs> to show her friends <laughs> <laughs> and go home with it on the bus. Oh. Uh, cracking story. Yeah, yeah. lovely. Mm. Well, and, that was my mum, you know what I mean? And despite your dad being very shy, I imagine he was proud, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, when we first used to start, he used to come around the world with me, you know what I mean? When we done America, we had three weeks in America together, which was great. You know, I mean, it was just nice for him to see different places as well. How seriously into darts was he? And you said he was very, very keen, but did he enter tournaments and things like that? Yeah, but only local ones, you know what I mean? He never used to, he wasn't that good to, to go, you know, he, he was a good floor player, but he, he wasn't very good on stage. So he, he could beat anybody on the floor, but he didn't like the stage. You know, he, he, was, he was a good player, but not, you know, there's, there's millions of good dart players. It's, yeah. it's got different steps, isn't it? Some people can play well in the pub practicing with their mates, and then when, it, when they say game on, they, they freeze, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then there's county, you move up to a county game where you go on a stage and people freeze there, and then there's, then there's the, the jump from there to TV, and then some people freeze there. Do you have brothers and sisters? No, no, no. I've got a, I've got a brother, but I didn't find that out until I was like 45. You know what I mean? Really? So that was, a, that was a bit of a shock. Can you tell me about that? Oh, she just told me in a pub one night. She just, we just talked about family and that. And she said, you've got a brother. And that was, uh, it's in the book. Read the book. Okay, sorry. There's no big deal. There's no yeah. big deal, mate. It's not as if we yeah. it secret if it's in the book. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Just amazing, really. And and how much do you see of your brother now? No, we speak, speak to him on the phone. He's a nice fellow. He's not, he's not in the sport or not in, a, not in the darts or anything like that. But he's a, he's a nice guy, yeah. And what was it like when you first met him? Uh... It was strange, yeah. My mum wanted me to meet him, so I met him and that was it, yeah. Didn't you find it hugely emotional? No, 
I'm not, no, it wasn't emotional. You, know, you don't get emotional if you didn't know you had one, do you? You know what I mean? <laughs> if, if, we'd have been, you know we'd, if we'd have grown up and been split up and that and then put back together again, it would have been, you know what I mean? You explained earlier how your dad got you into darts. Do you think, in a way, he lived his dreams through you? I don't know. I don't, I don't know about that. I mean, maybe, you know what I mean? But I don't know. No, he's just, I, know, I just think he's just a normal parent who's wanted to say something or daughters to do, to do well at something and everybody, they're just proud, aren't they? So, I mean, everybody, everybody tries to, you know, to, to look after their children, don't they? And that's, that's all it is. I was, you know, I was quite fortunate. I had a very good father who, who tried me at lots of different things. He tried me at golf and snooker and I was like a, I liked things anyway. I used to swim for the school, run for the school, play cricket for the school, football for the school, I jump for the school, long mm. distance runner. I mean, I, you know, I just do everything. I just like sport, you know what I mean? Do you think there's any other sport you would have seriously excelled in? I don't know. I, I, used, to like, I used to like cricket. Cricket was, I, was, you know, I like, like cricket, but uh, you know I mean, it's, if you put the time, you've got to put the time into any sport, haven't you? You know what I mean? That's, that's, but as I say, by the time I was in, like 11, 11 and a half, I was playing darts four hours a day. So, I mean, it kind of, like, me football, me cricket, and that was just, like, pastimes then, you know, I mean, just play for the school. How did your school feel about you playing darts so much? Oh, they didn't like it, you know what I mean? I went to a grammar school as well, you know what I mean? You know, what's you going to do? What's you, you know, you've got to get your education and all this. You know, the same old story, isn't it, mm -hmm. of everybody else. And uh, I just wanted to play darts, that was it. So I left school early. So I didn't pass anything, really. I didn't go for anything, you know what I mean? I was just wanted to play darts. And I was quite lucky, really, because as, as I got good at darts, darts became popular on TV. So I was, I didn't, say, I, I didn't do the right thing, but it worked out right for me. Do you think, though, if you could go back in time and visit your young self, you would say, now, come on, just pay a bit more attention to your studies and everything? No chance. You don't think it mattered? No, no just go for it, kids. I've had a great life, mate. I've seen the world, mate. I've seen the world by the time I was 21. But very unusual, though, because in those days, darts wasn't such a popular sport. That's always been popular, mate. It's just people knocked it, that's all. It's always been popular. We always had the viewing figures on TV. It's always been good. And now, and now it's just nice to see the money there for the other lads. No, I mean, the, uh, the World Darts Federation's got like um, 58 countries uh, members. You know what I mean? So we have a World Cup every two years where the football have it every four. You know, you, and you walk, you walk around the venue and you see people from, like, from 38 different countries. It's used to make your hairs on your back, back your neck stand up. It was, you know, it was great feeling to be part of it, you know what I mean? People, you know, it was, it's that popular. So that's where a lot of our sports in England, was they call sports or whatever, like rugby, there's about eight nations to play it. Or right. cricket, there's about maybe 12 nations to play it. Yes, I mean, it is. With darts, the world plays it. Well, it seems to me that when it comes to the world championships, it's pretty much always British players, English players. Yeah, but now you're finding that the big money's going to get into it. I mean, we've got this other lad who got beat in the final this year called Simon Whitlock, the Australian mm -hmm. lad. Yeah, yeah. Now, he's, he's moved over from Australia. He's going to give it a go now, isn't it? I think once you've got the proper money in it, then you'll get these people that will chase their dream. But if the money's not there, they can't afford to chase their dream. At what age were you when you won your first tournament? My first tournament? I was yeah. about 16, 17 when I won my first tournament, yeah. So, but presumably before that, you were winning the sort of local pub tournaments and stuff, were you? Yes, yeah. At 14, I got beat in the final of the singles. I lost in the final. I should never have lost that, but that's part, you know. That's, but, uh, uh, yeah, I was, I, was, I was a proper dark player at 14. I was a freak, you know, right. because the, usually the players then were older players. All my friends were, like, 40s and 50s. Do you think, in a way, losing that final at 14 made you think, right, I'm never going to lose another one, I'm, you know... 
Well, it, 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 yes, it, it depends which way you're made. Isn't it? Some people would just would be happy to get that far, wouldn't they? But uh, no, I wasn't. I was, you know, I was distraught, but I lost it. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah, that's right. And I won it next year anyway, and a year after, I think. I mean, but uh, it was just only a local singles. But there was other things. I used to play in these opens by the time I was 16, 17, hmm. where you'd go there and there'd be like 800 dark players there. What were you like when you lost? Were you a really bad loser? No, no, just bad to myself, not bad to the other people, not disrespectful to them or whatever, shook their hand, walked off, that was it. Oh, yeah, no, I didn't mean to the other people. No, no, just, oh, yeah, I wasn't very happy with myself. Right. Yeah, I wasn't a bad loser. You don't want to run out of the door and all that, like, no. <laughs> when, I, when I lost uh, one year, when I was 17, I lost in the World Masters to mm-hmm. get through to the finals in London, mm. which is one of the biggest tournaments there was then. They used to come from all over the world, like, so say 38 countries used to come over, play the World Masters, and mm-hmm. the finals were on TV. I lost in the London qualifiers to get through, and I was 16, 17 then. And so what I did is I, I went down with Ollie Croft at the BDO, and, and I helped set up all the boards. That was my penance for losing. Right. And I set up all the boards with them for everybody to play, and then I, I just said to myself, well, next year I won't be doing this, I'll be playing. Yeah. Did anyone say to you when you were very, very young, there's something remarkable about you? As well, a... Lots of people, yeah. They just call me, you know, Whiz Kid and London Lip and whatever else. And I had loads of nicknames. But, oh, yeah, I was, I, was, I was just different, you know. I used to play money games. I mean, I, I had a job for a little while. When I, when I left school at 14, 14 and a half, I used to work up the city as a proofreader for 12 quid a week or whatever and, you know, make sure the spelling was right. <laughs> and uh, James was advertising agency and then... But then on a Friday night, I'd play in a tournament where there'd be thirty pound a winner. On a Saturday, I'd play in a tournament that's fifty pound a winner. And on a Sunday, it'd be a pairs where it's hundred pound, so it'd be fifty pound each for the winners. And I used to win two out of three of them. So after about two or three, four months at work, I just thought, this is silly. This is I must stay out of practice and play all these tournaments. And you know, you became partly renowned for your amazing confidence, dare I say, cockiness. Yeah. Um, what gave you that in the first place? Was that your dad just giving you lots of confidence? No, 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 I was just, uh, just the way I was. I didn't think I'd lose. That losing didn't enter my head. You know, I was, I was too good to lose. So, you know, so, yeah, obviously I lost, you know what I mean? But then I bounced back, I was okay, you lose. The same as what I drilled into Phil Taylor. That's the same thing, you know what I mean? Mm. That's what he's got in his head now. He'll lose one, but he'll come back and he'll win again. What percentage of winning darts matches is psychological, would you say? No, it's not. a lot of players used to come up on the hockey when they play somebody good, and, and they kind of give you a start before you, if you understand what I mean. Yeah. Like you kind of got a start before you, any darts have been thrown, because they've got that fear factor. Yeah. You create a name for yourself. You create your own respect, don't you? That's mm. what I, the way I say. If you keep winning, then people get a bit fearful of you. But, you know, nobody gives you that. You've got to earn that respect. You know, that's the great thing about darts. I love darts, because it's one against one. It's not a team game. Do people ever employ sort of dirty tactics? No, people, well, people used to try and barricade. People used to have coins in their pocket and rattle it and put it around in the pocket when you're going for a double and things like that, you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, they try anything, but I mean, you just, you know, any, anything like that that used to put me off, I used to get, when I used to practice down the pub, I used to get my mates to do it so that it would never bother me again. Right. What was the most sort of naughty trick anyone ever played on you? No, no, I played in the News of the World once in the qualifiers at Battersea Town Hall. It was about 1,500 people in there. And it's, it's amazing. When you're on that hockey, you can hear just certain things. It's, let's say there's 1,500 people in that hall. Yeah. And you, can, uh, you can hear... If I had three friends with me, I could hear them. If they were talking at the back, I could hear them. Hmm. It's weird, it's weird. But, I mean, there was a guy on the stage, I was playing, and I heard this noise, and I thought, what is that noise? 
and I, and I couldn't, you know, all the sort of things that I've been barracked with before, I thought, I just don't know what he's doing behind me. And he was rubbing a match up and down a matchbox with, with not the red bit ends, you know, the, the mm. other end? Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And I, I was listening to that instead of concentrating on the dartboard. Was I beat the guy, but I mean, but I, I didn't understand what the noise was. It was weird. At what stage did you start wanting to be world champion or thinking seriously you could be? I told everybody at school I was going to be world champion at 14. Did you? Yeah. God. My teachers used to laugh at me. It was like Robbie Williams when he said he wanted to be a singer. Get a job. Yeah, you know what I mean? So you had no doubt at all you'd go all the way? I don't think anyone who's exceptional has any doubt that they. If you'd have asked Tiger Woods when he was younger, you know what I mean? You know it's in you. It's just something you're gifted with and you've got to use it right, haven't you? So when you first got to a world final and, you know, you were about to win, did it all suddenly dawn on you, oh, my God, I am actually throwing for the world championship here? Well, I played, it, I played in the first world championship in 1978. Mm. I was favourite. No, I was favourite in 1978 to win it. Yeah. I won the World Masters. I won all these other tournaments. And uh, we went up to a, a place in Sheffield. No, Nottingham it was. And, uh, and I got beat first round. And uh, the second year, I got beat second round by a guy from Wales called Alan Evans. First year, I got beat by an American called Comrade Daniels, mm. who was very slow, very, very slow player. Slower than like, Dennis Priestley. Mm. And when I lost to him, I used to practice with all slow players. So it's the same sort of thing as I used to do before. Mm. So it would never happen again. Because mm. I found it very difficult, because he kind of put me out of my rhythm. Oh, yes. And then the third year, I played, I, I played better, and I was favourite again. And because and, and, uh, I kept winning all these other tournaments, but I couldn't win the Worlds. I was winning the World Masters, the World Cup singles. News of the world, you know, I was winning every other world title apart from the, the proper one. Mm. And then I played Bobby George in the final. I played lovely all week, and uh, and it was a fantastic final. Bobby played lovely darts as well, and uh, I beat him like five sets to three. But I mean, uh, it wasn't going through me head when I wanted to double. This is it. Afterwards, when I hit the winning double, then you think, right, I've done it now. So uh, yeah, it was there was no extra pressure onto it. A double, so that, that sort of thing didn't bother me. You know, I used to like being on the stage, and I used to like you know being up there, being part of it. And although you were world champion many times, do you think nothing quite matches winning it for the first time? Yeah, I think you're right there, yes. I think, I think yeah, that first one just... I, I achieved me the ambition then, you know what I mean? And, and I kind of didn't put a lot more practice into it after that. I kind of left the darts alone after that, because I'd say there wasn't millions of pounds in it. I mean, I used to earn a good living out of it, but I mean... But I kind of achieved what I wanted to achieve, and then... And then, uh, then I, I left it alone for a few months, and then, uh, and then I started playing tournaments again and carried on. But I mean, uh, and then I got back on the ball and started practicing again. I, I kind of had a party for about three months after I won it, <laughs> so, which is understandable, I suppose. Only a young lad winning it once, and yeah. And as I say, as as I started getting better, I mean, the, the money started getting better. So I, there was a lot of good players before me, but there was no money about. People say that you were partly responsible for making darts as popular as it became, I mean, you must be very proud of that, I imagine. Yeah, part, yeah, part of it, part one of them, yeah. I was like a bit flamboyant, wasn't I? Hmm. I used to watch all these other sports, and, and what tickled me, and I, I used to find them, I used to interview them after they won the quarter-final or semi-final, and I used to say to them, how do you think you're going to do in the final? And they go, well, if I play as well as I did there, <laughs> I've got a good chance. And I thought, how boring is this to watch this guy talking on telly? You know what I mean? Yeah. So when they used to ask me, I used to say, I'm going to kill him. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> You know what I mean? And then so people, you know, used to love me or hate me. Yeah. There was nothing in between, which I didn't mind. And, and was, you know, and when I used to go in Scotland and with my English shirt on, they used to boo me. And, but if I go there to do exhibitions, they treat me fantastic. 
they do the same with the Scottish. If you if you had an England shirt, I'm playing Tiddlywinks, they'd boo you. <laughs> it's that England shirt, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but when you go there to play exhibitions in Scotland, you know, they, they treat you fantastic, you know, because, because you're their guest. I wondered if you were a little bit inspired by Muhammad Ali. He's because, my man. Yeah, because mm. he used to boast a lot before yeah, his... Yeah, he done it. He's done yeah. he boasted about it not doing it, is it? Yeah, yeah. He was the real deal. He's a proper, he was a proper sportsman. Wasn't he? He, was, he, was, he was the ultimate, wasn't he? I mean, the, we had, we, I suppose the, the best one we've ever had since then, apart, well, Phil Taylor's got to be the best one, but I mean, uh, a, in another sport, apart from ours, uh, was, was Tiger Woods. Yeah. What do you make of his current downfall? Uh, it, 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 I, I, I look at Tiger Woods, I look at anybody on TV as a sportsman. And if we go to the World Cup and we win the World Cup football, and all our team are out the night afterwards with any bird they want. I couldn't give a damn long as we win the World Cup. What they do in their spare time is up to them. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I do agree. And John Terry the same, really, isn't it? You just well, think, that's right. well, well, I'm a Chelsea boy. No, I don't care what he does in his spare time. We don't know how they live at home and what, how they get on. or anything. Yeah. You don't know what happens behind closed doors. It's got to be very difficult for somebody who, who's, who's top of the, their sport and, and you've got these beautiful women who want to go to bed with them. I mean, come on, give us a break. You know, we're a human. I mean. So along with the popularity, the growing popularity of darts with your success, did women get drawn to the sport? Because one would never have thought it had been a bit of a magnet for babes. But I You're beautiful it... babes we got in our sport, mate. Really? Always had. <laughs> really? We played Denmark and Sweden. I bloody hell, it was brilliant. I mean, we, so when we used to play these Opens, these Danish Open, Swedish Open, Finland yeah. Open, there was also a, a ladies' tournament there as well. And the Danes and Swedes and Finns, I mean, some fit, fit women over there. Yeah, some beautiful women play darts and did you ever get mobbed did you ever find any girls in your hotel room or anything there's all groupies always been dark groupies mm. anyone on tv gets groupies you know what i mean ugly people get groupies they've got lots of money <laughs> <laughs> and what was your most memorable sort of groupie moment the memorable ones mate you just pull nice birds and you know and that's it there's no memorable ones it's just birds are birds of it <laughs> But, I mean, you know, a lot of people knock darts players for being, you know, a little bit overweight and not necessarily terribly handsome and stuff. But what do you say to that in defence of darts players? Well, you can't pick what they look like, can you? If someone's good at something, you know what I mean? As I mean, uh, you could say that for some of the footballers, you know what I mean? Yeah. Peter Beersley wasn't the best-looking bloke in the world, was he? <laughs> but there's never been any... about Crouch, isn't there? Well, Crouch would have been if he would have been a footballer, a virgin. <laughs> But there have never been any real heartthrob darts players, have there? No, but that's that much like it come, wasn't it? We always said when we played in America, we could have done with a, a blonde, blue-eyed, good-looking yank, you know what I mean? Yes. Then it would have took off in America. But the reason the Americans don't like it on TV is because there's not a top American player. And plus, American TV's really... The sports channels have got their... They're tied up with the American football and the basketball and baseball. and They've got their own sports, haven't they? I mean, that's that one, they've got their own... Like baseball, they're the only country to play it. And they're multi-millionaires then, boys, aren't they? May we know when you first became a millionaire? Oh, I've spent millions, mate. I'm not a millionaire. But you must have become a millionaire at some oh, point. I've you... spent millions, mate. I've, 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 got, I've been through a, a, a split up with a woman I lived with for 10 years and a divorce, mate. So pick your own bones out of that lot. Yeah. It all goes out the window and down the road. So you're in another lot, don't you? You can't take it with you anyway. No, no, quite, but it's good to keep some. Did you not invest very well, Eric? I'm all right, mate. I'm fine. I don't know no money. Tell us about your nickname, the Crafty Cockney, how it came about. There's a pub in Santa Monica, California. What were you doing over there, then? Playing darts, would you believe. OK. 
And we used to go over there for three weeks every year. We used mm. to play tournament in Santa Monica, tournament in Frisco, and then have a week in Vegas, tournament there. Yeah. We used to do that 10, 12, 15 years. And it was a English guy who used to own it. And he, uh, and he used to do, like, well, it's nice when he was in Santa Monica, you know what I mean? Mm. And it was like, it, it was nice. We used to play a tournament there before the major tournament, which was in the great big Civic Hall. He used to have little tournaments in the week. Mm-hmm. And we used to play there. And he had about 10, 12 dartboards and... He used to be, have a little knockouts for a thousand dollars, which is a lot of money then. So we all used to be there, and obviously all the pubs in in America have got like t-shirts that you can buy. Yeah, everybody bought one, like Cockney one, and there was a pub around the corner called the Mucky Duck, and <laughs> the all the Scottish Bar, and we had all this. But I used to be in London, and I wore it when I come home on TV, and it stuck. It was a now he was a proper multi-millionaire, Les, around that, and it was good because he used to get Sundays. Or, or, or in the week we could have like uh, fish and chips, you know, instead of having all these crappy hamburgers and whatever, fish and chips and, and roast beef and Yorkshire pudding, you know, have all the English food there. It was, so all the English people used to go there, mm. not just dark players. It was, uh, and he used to have three or four delicatessens. He used to have a, a big house on the hill where they all, all the top stars lived, and he had the top. He used to have a party up there, looking down, saying that's like, I'd say he's very arguing, say that's that's Madonna's house and that's so and so's house, and he, he had the top of the hill. He was all right, Liz. So which celebrities did you meet over the years? Which have been the biggest stars that you've met? Oh, I've met loads of stars, mate. I'm not a name dropper. But, yeah. you know what I mean? I've met loads of them. You know what I mean? But I was watching a guy on the telly just now saying how he'd met Paul McCartney the other night at an award ceremony, and Paul McCartney said his name, and he couldn't believe that Paul McCartney knew who he was. I wondered if you'd had any moments of that, you know. I, I, well, Eagleburg invited me to his show in... Vegas, he was doing the show. He's a good dart player, Inglebert. I know. And, uh, yeah, in the middle of his show, he said, we've got the world champion dart player here. It was a bit embarrassed. They put a spotlight on me. I'm sitting down watching, you know what I mean? It's all up with the Brits. They all cheer, but all these Yanks are going, who? Oh. <laughs> I like Vegas, because you could, you could be a normal person there. Nobody knows who you are. Yes, I, I interviewed Engelbert at his house near Leicester. Yeah, and, I played uh, him there, and he's got a little room at the, outside his main house. His little pub, yeah. Yeah, I played him in there on TV as well. Yeah, because he said to me after the interview, do you fancy a game of darts? And I thought, oh, I'll be Engelbert at darts, surely. No, he likes his darts. Oh, he bloody does. He thrashed me. I couldn't yeah, believe it. Afterwards, we'd go upstairs and go into his suite because he stayed at Bally's and where yeah. the show was. And we went to his suite and he invited a few other dart players and my friends there. And we played. And I said, where's the ashtray? And his son looked at me and and he told his son to go and get me an ashtray. And, and, and his son said to me, I can't believe that. He said, nobody smokes in front of him. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. Would you ever have a special diet or any kind of a rules for yourself when approaching a tournament? Do you, like, cut back on drinking or no, smoking? I, I've always been a drinker, but you drink in moderation, you know I mean? You don't, I don't drink spirits. I don't, I don't drink wine. I mean, I drink beer. You can only drink so much beer anyway. But I used to eat a lot of pasta when I, when I played darts. Is that for stamina? Yeah, stamina, and it soaks the beer up. And, you know what I mean? It's, everybody knows their own body. If you, you, you know your body better than anybody else. Mm-hmm. what the doctor tells you or anything else you know what you can do with your body yeah. you know when you don't feel well and you know when you're run down and tired and whatever else and so you just uh, so one of these like 10, 10 day tournaments 2 week tournaments they're long times you know what I mean so yeah pasta's good for you anyway but it seems that darts players got a reputation for being beer drinkers but one would have thought that drinking alcohol would not help your vision no there's nothing wrong with my vision mate you know what I mean but uh yeah, yeah, it's always been a fallacy that everybody like drinks loads and loads and loads and loads. When you're aiming for a treble twenty, which is the size of a cigarette, <coughs> you 
can't drink too much, can you? You no, just quite. drink enough so you feel all right mm. and you relax. That's all it is. So I mean, a lot, a lot of these new players now don't drink. That's fine. But I mean, I, I drink when I don't play darts, so mm. I like a drink. I'm a social drinker. Many sports have been damaged by allegations of drug taking and stuff. Has drugs ever come into darts? That's the greatest thing about ours, mate. We have drug tests every tournament. Do you? Yeah, we're a proper job, mate. We are. Yeah. That's why I don't like the Olympics anymore. I've, I've, Olympics, I, I've, I fell out of love with the Olympics 16, 20 years ago. Yeah, it used to be great when all the amateurs played and they kind of sport it now. And they, then you'd have one guy win a gold medal and then three weeks later he, he'd have to send it to the post to somebody else. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, was, it, just, it gets a bit silly in the next Olympics we're going to have is going to be a disaster. Uh, Why? Why do you say that? Well, it's bloody Coe's pension fund, isn't it? Uh, this Olympics. You know what I mean? It's, uh, it's going to be a disaster. I think it's going to be trouble, mate. To be quite honest. In what way trouble though? Trouble, right? worldwide trouble, Taliban trouble. Oh really? I think they've got years and years to prepare for it. And what this is the greatest show in the world. That's the place to do, to make a statement, isn't it? Right. You've not got any inside information on that. No, so, <laughs> I mean, we can't be these guys who just press a button, mate. Hmm. Yeah, I was just wondering, you know, with your nickname, the Crafty Con, you used to wear a picture, I think, of a policeman on your shirt. That's right, I still it? do. I wear one tonight, mate. I yeah. wear all the time. But are you very much a true Brit, and do you share a lot of people's feelings about this country going downhill? Well, the country's next, mate, isn't it? Why do you say that? Well, it is. We're getting into debt. How many billion are we in debt now? Mm. National deficit is bloody going out the window. I mean, uh, we're in a lot of trouble, mate. So uh, we shall see, won't we? And now we're fighting everywhere, and then Falklands are going to starting again you think so well it won't start again but we're sending people we're sending all these soldiers and places everywhere it's costing us money isn't it we can, we've always tried to bloody rule the world but yeah that's our trouble and also people complain about the Britishness going out the window do you share that belief um, I don't know I'm, I'm, I find England now is more getting like more America where you're, you'll find in years to come like most places in America because I've toured America many many times mm. everywhere in America You've got like a, you've got the colour quarter, you've got the Chinese quarter, you know, you're, you're finding that, you're getting that sort of thing over in England at the moment now, you're getting like, you're getting the Indian quarter, aren't you? South or in London always was an Indian quarter. Yes. Uh, Bradford is getting, an Indian, you know, and they're British now. Mm. They're not Indians, they're British people. Mm. I mean, it's just the way it is. I mean, they're, they're English now, so I mean, you can't say they're not. Yeah, yeah, no, quite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, we're... we're we can't help everybody in the world. We've got to try and help ourselves, haven't we? But darts doesn't seem to be very multicultural. We seem to be mainly sort of white blokes, doesn't it, really? No, we get loads of them. Are there? Yeah, yeah. bloody hell. We, we tour the coloured countries and everywhere. Yeah, oh, yeah brilliant, yeah. Uh, Barbados is great, great players there. Nice people. Brilliant place. Love it. I mean, I used to go over there every year but, uh, for two weeks. All right, Jamaica. I done Jamaica's brilliant. Chinese are good. Japanese hmm. are good. They're all good players, and uh, you'll find in a few years' time that, that some of them will come through. It's nice to see other cultures. And there's no, like, uh, prejudice in the dark players, you know, yeah. which is good. Like, we've got this Australian there, Simon Whitlock. Now, we all like Simon Whitlock. There's none yeah. of this, like, cricket rubbish, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> well, we hate the Aussies. We don't. The good thing about dark enthusiasts is they play good darts. We like them. Yeah. Eric, why do you think you were such a good darts player? Because I wanted to kill them, and I wanted to be the best. Right. Do you think that's a lot of it, is, is just determination? Yeah, second's no good. Ask Phil. Right. That's the way I talk, Phil. Second's no good. Right. Yeah. When you were, you know, ruling the world for year after year after year, what kept you ambitious? 
I mean, after you've won a couple of times, didn't you think, oh, well, just another world title? No, you, you did agree, didn't you? you, you I won it once, then I won it twice. Then I lost a couple of years, then I won it the third time. And then you think, well, it would be nice to make it four. <laughs> and then, you know, and then you get nice to make it five. And I never made it six, but I mean, uh, I won it five times. I got beaten five finals. So I know both sides of the coin. So, I'm, you know, I know both sides of the, of the final... The party and the and the letdown. So uh, you just set yourself other targets, didn't you? you? You know, then you try and you want you want to do like the Grand Slam. That's that's what everybody does. It's like the tennis players, isn't it? Yes. You know, certain tennis players can play better on grass than, than they do on clay, and vice versa. But dartboards are all the same the world over, that's aren't right. they? That's right. That's right. But I mean, it's just I'm just giving an example. But you know, there's not many people that have done the Grand Slam, is it? Yeah, but uh, did you ever win the Grand Slam? I've done the Grand Slam. I won all the world titles, yeah. That's what, you know, so I've done all that. How many years did you do that? I only done it one year because, right. yeah, I, I like to win four of them and then not win the other one. So it's, like, difficult. And how much have you looked back over the years and thought, I should have actually won ten world titles? Oh, yeah. No, I, I lost a lot of silly games, but, um, yeah, but I, but I prepared right and sometimes I didn't play as well as I, you know, as well as I should have done, but I mean, you can't, you're not, you're not a robot. Do you look back at recordings of your lost I've got all the tapes, yeah. Have you? Yeah, I've got all the tapes. And they're do you sometimes... I don't look at them now, but they're, they're in the house, some, they're in a, in a box somewhere. Yeah. And how do you explain the dramatic change in form in your game uh, after you were unbelievable world champion to... It, it's never quite the same after that. Well, nobody lasts forever. I, I could add the yips, didn't I? What they call the yips, didn't I? you got to look at it the right way. You've got to look at the right, life the right way. A lot of people would have got upset about it and doom and gloom and thought, you know, the, the world's come to an end and whatever else. I looked at it at, uh, well, okay, well, good job it didn't happen 20, 15 years before as I would never have won nothing. So, uh, I had a great time. I, and I still have a great time now. I work for great people. I do great promotions. You know, my sponsors are great and, you know, hopefully I'm still doing a good job for the game of darts. And I, and I work for Sky and I do the punditing on Sky and interview the players and I'll get on well with all the players, and, and uh, yeah, it's, it's just nice to see our game grow, and it's, it's growing all the time. Did they ever explain the yips, that you got the dartitis, as no, they, they think they call it? it? Bernard Langer had it with a putter, they called it the yips, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, Patsy Fagan had it, an old snooker player with a rest, he couldn't use the rest. It's in your mind, isn't it? I think it's, you're trying to get perfection, and you think it's not going to go in, so you don't let it go. Do you still have it from time to time? No, I'm fine, I got rid of it now. But I'm not as good now as I used to be, but I mean, oh, I let the darts go, all right, but I just don't go 180 all the time. I still get loads of 180s, but not, not as many as I used to. And you're kind of equivalent in snooker, I suppose, with Steve Davis at the time. Were you friends, the two of you? Me and Steve, yeah. I like Steve, yeah. He's a nice chap, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. lovely fellow. And he, always used to, he used to use the same hairdressers, those uh, mixed hairdressers as my mother oh. in Romford. And uh, if she was in there, he'd always go in and say hello. And, and she loved that. She'd ring me up. I've seen Steve today. But, um, yeah, he, he always had that image of boring and whatever, but he's a, he's a very funny man, really. Yes, he's very, he's very entertaining. Did you ever imagine that your amount of world championships would ever be eclipsed? Well, five, yeah, I thought it would happen. But I was just glad it was the guy that done it was the guy I trained. Yes. I, I, that, that made it more fun, then, because mm. every, once I started training him and taking him all around the world when I had the yips, for the first two or three years, he kept getting slaughtered. Mm. And all, all the other dark players were saying to me, what you're sponsoring him for is useless. And I said, we'll see how useless he is in a couple of years' time. So what do you think it was that you changed in him? He changed his mental attitude, mate. 
Right. You know, every, all these dark players have got a bit ability, but they haven't got the right mental attitude. But he seems to have a very different personality to you. But he, he just he just takes the Mickey different ways. Okay. <laughs> He's very you know he, he just says what good dark players are on TV, where he, he really means they're crap. <laughs> he does it in a nice way. Yeah. <laughs> How do you feel about his extensive success? Do you kind of think, you know, if I'd really focused, I, I could have been the world champion that many times? No, I don't worry about that, mate. I've done what I wanted to do, mate. I'm 53 yeah. years of age now. Yeah. I mean, I don't worry about it. I just want him to keep winning. Hmm. <clears throat> I would like to see him win another four or five. You think he can? I think he can, yes. I watched him last night. I got back from my show like done yesterday afternoon and I watched him last night he played lovely darts he was 4-0 down last night and he still won he won 8-6 against Ronnie Baxter hmm. in the Premier League he's uh, he'll be fine he's, he's had a, he's, he's not been well he's, he's had a flu for a week and uh, I mean the week before he got he got out of his bed he hadn't had a throw for a week and he, he went down and still won that game on TV in front of 11,000 people at the O2 Stadium so um, last night I was in Bournemouth in front of 7,000 people so uh Eric, there's been a lot of talk over the years about the way you held your darts. Can you just explain what was true and what's not true about that? I just, I just go along with three fingers. I hold it with my thumb and they go along with three fingers and then my finger used to stick out. But the angle is going, my little finger would have never been able to touch the point anyway. Mm. But people hold the darts how they feel most comfortable. A lot of people, when they first start playing darts, they hold it like a pen. But it's, it's how you... It's, no, it's not like... Um, Golf, where they say there's a special way of standing and a special yeah. way to hold a dart. No, because everybody's hands are different, aren't they? Some people have got short, fat fingers, some people have got long, big fingers, and there's lots of different darts to use. And it's, it's all trial and error, really. You just keep trying different canes, different flights, different barrels, and then once your dart starts going straight in that dart board, you've found the right combination. But you didn't do that little finger thing on purpose. It just popped up, I presume. Well, my mate used to do it as well, Charlie Ellick, so we, it was like a little thing between me and him. We used to have a laugh about it in the pub. <laughs> you know, I mean, he was a good dart player as well, but he drunk too much. He was, he was a proper dart player, but he used to like the old brandy. So, yeah, he was a fantastic dart player. And me and him used to stick our finger out. We used to have a laugh about it, especially, like, oh, mate, he played on TV for a couple of times, then disappeared. Mm. And then we used to laugh about it, oh, it was just everybody sticking their finger out, we used to think it was funny, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> And did you ever get asked to make a record or anything like that? Yeah, they all done. They done that BDO 180 record. I didn't go. No, right. I didn't. I mean, I, I done a, I done a film. That was it. I done a film that was in the picture houses. Yeah, there was a film uh, about you, wasn't there? Really, a sort of half-hour film. Oh, that's what they show on telly now. There was, there was two films come out at the same time, and they put me with the Wanderers. Oh, right. You know the half-hour. He said yes. half-hour film before the, the main. Yep. Yeah. Because the other film was the Warriors, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, that's right. I saw them both. Actually. I like the Warriors better than the Wanderers, you know what I mean? Yeah. I like to have been with the Warriors. <laughs> Come out to play. <laughs> what year did you retire and why? I'm not retired. Well, I retired from... Because uh, I'm not good enough. Not good enough to play all the pros and I'm not going to play five or six hours a day again. Can't do it. The way I stand, my spine's twisted, so... Really? So, well, I, I stand crooked, twist. My doctor said to me years ago when he was examining me, like... He put his thumb down his spine and he says, do you realise, it made me laugh, he says, do you realise your spine's twisted? I said, how many fucking times have you put your, put your finger down the back of your spine, Doc? You know what I mean? How yeah. do I know that? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> what a stupid thing to say. I said, I said, it's the way I stand at darts, I think. And he said, yeah. I said, well, what's the problem with it? He said, well, no, no problems. He says, but you'll get a bit of problems when you get older. So if I play like four or five hours now, like the way I used to do, it does hurt my back. So I, 
so I can't do it, you know what I mean? But were it not for that injury, I mean, most people who don't understand darts necessarily would say, why can't someone go on forever in darts? Because, after all, it is literally just standing up in front of a board and throwing something at it. Of course it is, yeah. Well, you can do. But, I mean, maybe as good as... I mean, John Lowe still plays lovely darts now. Yes. I mean, he's brilliant. Can't fool him. Uh, Dennis Priestley, look at Dennis Priestley. Uh, there's no... There's no um, well, Phil was no spring chicken now, really, is he? No. <laughs> I mean, so, but, um, yeah, it's nice, it's nice. I mean, it always used to feel sorry for the footballers and the cricketers. By the time they got to 35, their career was finished, and then what do they do after that? You know, unless you're a goalkeeper, you can go on a bit longer, you know what I mean, or a wicketkeeper, but, I mean, but, uh, you know, the fast bowlers and the, the forwards, football and things like that, when they got to 30, but they lose that bit of pace, and it must be heartbreaking. Well, it's, it's, it's your career's done, isn't it? But you, you can't go back in time, can you? As long as you've had a good career. Yes. But in many sports, the competitors hate the opposition. They kind of hate their rivals and stuff. But you obviously have tremendous affection for your rivals. I used to hate them all when I, when I played them, mate. Did you? I'd drink with them afterwards and whatever. But I always used to look at people when I, on the hockey. They're trying to beat me. Yes. So they're not my friends. Yeah. Now, I listen to these other people. They say, well, it's very difficult to play against him. He's a friend of mine. You've got to turn that. When you get up there, if he's trying to beat you, he's not your friend, is he? <laughs> that's true, yeah. And that's what you've got to drum into people. Yeah. You know I mean? But you, nonetheless, are now, you know, really great friends with John Lowe and, and Well, so we're on. not rivals, are we now? We used to have a laugh. We go to Tenerife all the time and play golf, and yeah. it's, it's hard life. May we know anything about your home, where you live, and sort I of what's... I live in Leek, Staffordshire. OK. Yeah, and it's lovely. It's, it's a nice little town, and uh, it's, it's a lovely place. It's in the middle of the country. It's ideal for um, getting anywhere. Three hours I'm in Scotland, two and a half hours I'm in London, 45 minutes at Manchester Airport, 45 minutes at West Midlands Airport, hour at Birmingham Airport. When and why did you move there? I moved there because I lived with a lady called Maureen Flowers, who was a oh, best yes. player in the world many, many years ago. Yeah. And then we lived with her for 10 years and split up. Never married her, but we split up. And, uh, and then by the time you split up, obviously I made a lot of friends here. Yeah. It was ideal, and, it, and I didn't like to move. I didn't want to move back to London. I can't speak 27 languages. <laughs> you know what I mean? When you're in the middle of London and you ask somebody for, a, you know... Directions. Yeah, or a pub, and they, go, they don't speak English. It kind of put me off a bit. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. fair enough. Yeah. But uh, um, have you always had the same house in Leek? No, no, no. I'm in my mum's house now. Are you? Well, I, I told you I split up. My yeah. wife's got my house, so <laughs> I'm all right. I'm fine. Is there much evidence of your career in your house, in your mum's house? A lot of my career, yeah, some of it in the loft, and a friend of mine, Joe, who's got about a thousand of my trophies in his loft. So, uh, yeah, they're all around. They're in a different place. You couldn't put them on display, mate, but you need another friggin' house to put them on display. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> so uh, they're about. They're, they're, they're getting cobwebs somewhere. Do you think maybe there should be an Eric Bristow Museum one day, maybe after you've gone, like a Graceland? <laughs> Do what they like when I'm dead. Oh, Graceland, I've been around there. It's only a little place. I have too. It's amazing, isn't it? It's a little house, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I was astonished. I went past it three times before I found it. Are in a relationship at the moment? I'm single, mate, and I'm staying single. Right. Why is it just divorce is too... No, I've, I've seen... I've seen... Well, that's it. But, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not... You know, I'm not going to get in a relationship again. No, I'm, not, I'm not getting married again. Let's put it that way. Yeah. That's very sensible. It's expensive business, isn't it? It's ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah. I'm just going through it myself, actually. So oh, yeah, well, good yeah. luck to you, pal. Yeah. You think yeah. you know them and you think they're friends and, they're, and they just, we just don't think they could do that to you. That's the, that's the thing that hurts. You just I've, I've looked after you all these years, give you everything you wanted, and now you're treating me like a piece of shit.
Mm. And you want this, you want that, and you want this. You take them all around the world. Take them to Gracelands, because they love Elvis. <laughs> but that's life, mate, isn't it? Yeah. I've got the two kids, so when we split up, I had the two kids. Kids. Um, I brought them up, yeah. yeah. They was uh, 14 and 12 when we split up. And they come to live with Dad, mate. So what are their ages now, and what are their names and occupations? Louise is 19. Right. And James is 17. And what do they do? Louise works in my pub, funny enough. Oh, right. Yeah, but she's she's qualified hairdresser, but there's that many hairdressers now. Every other shop is bloody people open up the hairdressers, isn't it? Yes, it's true, yeah. So uh, I've told her maybe do a mobile or whatever, you know, if you get the right customer, you can be a mobile hairdresser, can't you? Yeah. James is going to go to college. He's a clever lad, computer kid, whisk kid, and uh, he'll be fine. So uh, I told him to go to college, see all the women while he's young. <laughs> At least he won't have no debt. I'll pay for all that. <laughs> Be like his dad, go with the women. <laughs> and do either of them play darts to any good standard? James plays. He, he can play darts, but he don't bother. He's, I've got a dart ball here in my front room, and he, he sometimes him and his mates will have a throw, and I'll watch him, and uh, he's, he's got a nice throw of hands. Mm. But I've never pushed him, because I, there's not many um, sons that follow their father. They try to. Jack Nicholas' sons ride it. Yeah. I think mean, the best one was Lampard, really, isn't it? Yes. But anyway, he's better than his father was, anyway. His father wasn't that good, anyway. <laughs> Well, That's because you're a Chelsea fan and he was West Ham. No, no, I like, I like all London teams. I'm not like them other fans who I don't know. like other teams. But sure. I like all the London teams. I want West Ham to stay up. I like Man United. I think they're brilliant. I'll cheer them on in Europe. You know, so uh, I love Skull. My best player I think ever is Scalzi. Oh, I'm, yes. I'm a Skulls fan. He's yeah. a Chelsea boy. He's been a brilliant. Yeah. Um, they all talk about gigs and everybody else. Yeah. But I think Scalzi's been fantastic. Are you a season ticket holder at Stamford Bridge? No, no, no. I don't go, no. Right. Last time I watched Chelsea was away, when they played away at Stoke in the Cup. Right. About four or five years ago. I imagine you just supported Stoke then, being a Staffordshire man. No, I used to go to Stoke all the time with yeah. Stanley Matthews as a wife, because I liked him. We got, oh, on, we yeah. got on well. We yeah. were good friends, me and him. And um, he, he, was, he was proper friends with my mate, Dave McGuinness. Uh, right. My, my mate bought all his stuff off of it, all his hats and his, all his caps, and that's so how he could buy a place in Spain. Mate's got all that stuff. You mentioned a minute ago that you've got a pub. I didn't know that. Yeah, we've just took it over, me and a guy called Barry, Barry Birch, and uh, we've just got a five-year lease on it. It's, it's the oldest pub in Leek. It's 16, 20-odd. It's the old black and white front and opposite a church. You know, got What's a it few called? Ghosts, got a few ghosts in there and all. Has it? Have you seen one? No, I haven't seen it, but uh, our bar, it keeps coming out with one of our barmaids, Carrie. <laughs> yeah, the bottle hit her on the head the other night. No. So, yeah, so, yeah we, we're getting on these ghosts, you know that program with the ghosts? Yeah. Uh, what's it called? Yes, Most Haunted. That's it. We wrote, wrote them. Because it's right opposite a church, and in, my, in the sports bar, which is another... You go into the main pub, hmm. but if you want to go into my sports bar, you, have to, you can't go through it from the main pub, you come through another door. But that's down there, she was... She was uh, it, down there is where they used to keep the dead bodies, see, many, many years ago. But she was downstairs in the sports bar, the bottle cut off and hit her on the head. Didn't, like, kill her, but put a lump on her head. And then when she went upstairs, and we come and told us, come downstairs, and we couldn't find... And there was no bottle on the floor. <laughs> and you saw she hadn't been at the bottle herself? No, 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 no. This is 11 o'clock in the morning, are we? 11 in the morning. Saturday morning. How old is this barmaid? 30. Oh, OK, so she's not some young teenager or anything. Oh, she's... no, she's got two... two... Oh, no, she's not an idiot. No, no, you wouldn't, no, you, you wouldn't believe them otherwise, would you? No, but there's been upstairs, there's loads of rooms upstairs. People go to the room and the door's shut and they can't open the door. Really? Yeah. It's never, none of this has happened to me, but it's happened, you know what I mean? So have you looked into it at all? Have you tried to find out who might be responsible? You know, has there been well, somebody who... Loads of them are there. But 
it's, it's a lovely pub. It's, it's, it's a nice old pub. I mean, it just needs a bit doing to it, like all these old pubs. What's it called? It's called The Swan. Oh, OK. In Leek. Have you ever passed through? There's a little room as you go in. We call it the Tolkien's room. It's where they, where they wrote the books. He sat there and wrote the books. What, Lord of the Rings? Yeah, so it's all, it's all to do with that. If you look at it, it's on the internet and that. Yeah, so we, we call it the Tolkien room, like I mean. So do you ever go in and, like, serve behind the bar or anything? I'll go in, yeah. I'll, I'll go in there. If, if they're short, I'll serve behind the bar, yeah. But I'm, I'm usually playing darts downstairs and watching the football. Didn't it put you off, the fact that it was haunted? I don't worry about things like that, mate. I stayed in another place many years ago and it was supposed to be haunted. Ball, Ball's brother. Who's the singer, Ball? Uh, Michael, Michael Ball. Ball. Well, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's, uh, his brother, good-looking bloke. I say he used to rent this house, some lodge. He used to rent it for 10 grand a month, and um, we stayed there one night after doing a golf day for him, and he said it's haunted. So I said, put me in the haunted room. So yeah. he put me out, and I didn't see nothing. <laughs> Don't frighten me, that. Well, nothing frightens me, mate. So what else has happened in your pub? I love this. What, no, it's just, it's just people have seen things, and, that, and I haven't seen a damn thing yet. Oh. Uh, we'll see it one day. And that's without 15 pints of Guinness. I want to see it at all. <laughs> <laughs> and you've actually written to uh, Most Haunted, have well, you? We're trying to get involved with them, yeah. So if they come down, I want to go down with them. You know what I mean? It'd be yeah. nice for them to find out if it is, you know what I mean? Do you feel you've been given the credit you deserve as a sportsman? Oh, I've, look, I've had a lovely life, mate. I've enjoyed exactly what I've done. And uh, I've, got, I've got an MBE, which is lovely. The sport I love is getting bigger and bigger. And I still have a good living out of it. And I've seen the world when I was younger. Mm. I still see it now if I wanted to, but I, a lot of trips I, I turned down now because it, I don't want to do them all again, the Australians and New Zealands and all that. I've done all them. But it's great to see these sort of places when you're younger and fit. Where I've always said all these people go to work all the time and they save up and they, for their pension and they want to go and see these other countries when they retire. And uh, they go there with their wife and one of them's got a gammy leg and they can't do the things they want to do, you know what I mean? Mm. Mm-hmm. And I was very fortunate. I, I see the world, and I mean the world. When I was like between 18 and 30, I used to do maybe 20, 24, 25 countries a year. Have you got any other homes anywhere else in the world? No, no. We're, we're talking about getting one in Tenerife. Right, that'd be good. Yeah, great place. I like Tenerife. Yeah. And we do. We do. A, me and John do a big charity golf day there once a year for breast cancer. So that's uh, we done well last year. We went a lot of money out of it. It was the only day that rained. Oh dear. Yeah. So. Uh, so we're off there for three weeks this year, and we're doing the same thing. It's called like John Lowe here at Bristow Golf Day, and it went really well. You know what I mean? Everybody so, likes a bit of golf, and everybody is into, you know, breast cancer. They don't mind, you know what I mean? It's an easy thing to, uh, to get into, really, breast cancer, because, like, I mean, the guys, you go out for a golf day and a drink and that, and there's no complaints from the wife yeah. if you're doing something for breast cancer, is it? <laughs> Good way of looking at it. It's um, true, isn't it? Eric, you mentioned your MBE just now. What was that like the day you went? Did you go to Buckingham Palace? Was it the Queen? Yeah, Queen, yeah. Buckingham Palace, yeah. I've been there twice. I've done it another time when it was their 50th anniversary and that. And, and she met three, three people down the middle as well. And uh, I met her again as well. So now, The difficult thing about that is, and I, if you put this in, put it in really, and I'm not criticising anybody, right. is when you get awarded the MBE, you're allowed only two tickets, two guests, which is very difficult when you've got a mum and dad and a wife. Yeah, and two kids, yeah. Yeah, well, the kids, you don't mind about the kids, but I mean, <laughs> so, you know what I mean? But, yeah, yeah. So, all of a sudden, you've got to make a choice then. And it's a very difficult thing to do, isn't it? So who went with you? I thought with mum and dad, which I'm glad of now. I mean, the right. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But, but I mean, it's, it's, it's very hard. Mm. I'm not saying you should give everybody ten tickets, and I mean, they, they can't <laughs> do it. But you've got to understand, if you both, both your parents are alive, and you've got a wife. I mean, you should be allowed three, shouldn't you? 
Any memorable stories about meeting the royals at Buckingham Palace? Did you make any faux pas with regard to etiquette and things like that? Oh, they tell you, what you do is you go into another room beforehand and he tells you what to do. You walk along here, you walk along there. You walk along the middle, in front, then you're in front of the crowd. You, you go around the side of the crowd behind, they can't see you. And then you come out of the, the side door and then you walk along and then you, you walk down to the Queen and you see the Queen and then you, and then she, and she says, uh, you're the dark player. I said, yes, Mum, and all that. And you've got a thing put on your top hat and tail gear, a little thing that they put on so she can put the medal on it. And then you're supposed to walk backwards. You're not supposed to turn her back on the Queen. And then I turned me back on her, didn't I? And I turned around and I just said, sorry, darling, and she burst out laughing. And then I walked <laughs> off and then the press were all outside. What did you say to the Queen? I, said, no, I didn't say nothing. You know what I mean? Because I didn't say nothing. Because it's yeah, yeah. been in all the papers. But that's in the book as well. But uh, she just laughed at me. You know what I mean? So, no. I always do things wrong. Go do on. any of the royals play darts, do you know? Uh, I think they all do, yeah. I think they, uh, the youngsters do, the two boys. Yeah. Yeah. Just seen him on the TV this morning, funny enough. Yeah. So he was taking pictures of somebody else. So you're pro-royal, are you? Yeah, I'm not against royalty, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think it's nice to have a royal family, you know what I mean? How about Sir Eric one day? No, I'm not bothered about that, mate. I was quite happy with the MBE. It was nice to meet the Queen and nice to, have, uh, to go down to the garden party. I've enjoyed that both times there. Yeah. I'd like to see a few other dark players get the MBE. I think a few other dark players should have got it. I think John Lowe should have got one many, many years ago. Been an ambassador for the game for 35 years, gentleman, and, uh, you know what I mean? Thought he should have got one. And maybe, you know, maybe there should be a few others eventually, you know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe Priestley. Priestley's been a good ambassador for the game. How hard is it to match the excitement of your time at the top in later life? You never get that back, mate. You never get that feeling, that buzz, and whatever. That's, that's gone. Yeah, that's the sort of thing money can't buy. That see, that's, it doesn't matter how much you win. Is that feeling of when you're playing great and you're up there and everybody's watching you and there's you know it's a lovely feeling. And mm. also there's the other side when you're up there and you're struggling. There's nowhere to hide. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a team game, is it? When you're struggling, there's nowhere to hide. So you think, oh, just get off of here. You know what I mean? But, uh, yeah, great, great memories. And, and now you should see these, um, I don't know if you've ever got seen one of them yet, but you, these, these clubs that are opening all around the country at the moment, called yeah. Riley's, these dark halls. Bloody fantastic they are, mate. Yeah. Unbelievable. Right. They really are. It's like, you know, you, Riley's was always snooker, wasn't it? Obviously, the, the snooker's not as big as it was years ago, so they, they cut all the snooker tables down there and they put building new clubs and they put these dart lanes up and they're brilliant. Me and Keith Deller are doing all that this year. Oh, so, good, yeah. Yeah, but uh, Phil's done all the opening nights for them and then, but they're, they're using them now. They're running, they're, uh, PDC now, they're going to run a tournaments now for, for the youth and have a, a, a youth, world youth champion and he's mm. going to get sponsored for a year on the circuit as a prize to all the tournaments. Also, they're going to have a women's world championship, and then uh, they're going to have the women's final before one of our major events live on TV, and she'll get like 10 grand and, and a 10 grand sponsorship. And then they're going to have a man one, and all where he, he gets like 25 grand and a year sponsorship, which is great for these like, amateurs, isn't it? All of a sudden, they've got something to go for. I think it's great. I mean, it really darts. It's just, it's just progressing that great. Like, you know, like I dreamt of when I was a youngster, you know what I mean? I'm surprised, you know, with all the reality TV programmes there are, there hasn't been a kind of a, a series of celebrity darts. I mean, apart from Engelbert, are there any others that are any good? That would... uh, no, we used to do them many, many years ago. We used to have it at Lord Taverns. Lord Taverns, we used to raise a lot yeah. of money there. We used to, yeah, Dennis Walkman and all them used to play. And uh, they could all play. And Powell, Robert Powell and all them lot. We used to play with them all the time. I suppose there was Bullseye. What did you reckon to Bullseye? 
it was a great show. It was a bit of fun, wasn't it? With a caravan, you live on a 20th story of a building. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it, was a, it was a bit of a speedboat, you know? <laughs> and, you been, and you live in the middle of Birmingham. It's brilliant, wasn't it? Jim Bird was brilliant. Yeah, yeah, he was brilliant. It was a great. It was just. It was an English Sunday afternoon. You got back to the pub, you had your dinner, and you sat and watched balls, I didn't you? <laughs> it was a fun thing, wasn't it? Have you ever been asked to do any of the reality shows? Like all of them, yeah, all of them. So yeah. why haven't you agreed to do them then? Uh, they, they, they don't give you enough time. They asked me to do the jungle one, and they they asked me like four or five weeks before they went. So I said, "You having a laugh?" I mean, I'm bu- I'm booked up. I'll tell you what I'm doing next January. Mm. And um, I said, "It's all it's all right for these people that." Well, the people that go on there, people, their career's finished, isn't it? And they, they get a bit of dough and they're trying to get back in the limelight, aren't they? That's all it is. Well, Jimmy I mean? White did it, and he's still quite handy, isn't he? The well, he's the same as me, isn't he? He's the same as me. They must have given him a bit more notice. But, I mean, and uh, I went to see him afterwards. I said, look, if you're going to invite me, I had a meeting with him. I said, just give me give me 12 months' notice. And is there any, any of them that you'd like to do? Uh, not now. They're a bit old at there. This was years ago when it first started. It's yeah. getting a bit boring now, isn't it? I find, you know, they're all doing it. Yeah. They asked me to do that, um, the dancing dinner. I can't dance, I've got two left feet, you know what I mean? And, uh, and that circus one, I asked to do that one at all. <laughs> That's a funny name, wasn't it? Circus. Yeah, I cut the uh, big top or something, yeah. Yeah, it's a bloody, you couldn't even pronounce it, could you? <laughs> I mean, but um, I'd like to see maybe get a few celebrities in the house or something, it'd be good. Yeah. All, you know, all proper celebrities, because half of these people are these celebrities, I don't even know, they're not even celebrities, are they? What ambitions do you have left for your life? No, I just live live well, go in the, plenty of the sun, look after my kids, and uh, no, I'm fine, mate. I've, I've got nothing left, mate, and just watch watch the arts grow. I'm enjoying it. I mean, it's uh, it's, it's got a big big star, isn't it? It's going very big, and uh, yeah, and I hope the lads do well at it. Do you want to live to a ripe old age? No, I, I want to live healthy, mate. So once my body starts going, I'll pop off then. I don't want to. I don't want to be pushed about in a chair for fifteen years. Yeah, as long as I'm fit and healthy, which I am, that do me. And how would you like people to remember you after you've gone? As a dart player, mate. Dart player who told the truth. Never talk behind your back. That's why I get in trouble, because I tell the truth. I don't lie. Call a spade a spade. And what about as a person away from darts? Same thing. Don't stand no shit. Mm. Yeah.